Natalie, Heidi, how are we doing today? Welcome to my show. Welcome to your show. We're both recording it. We're both posting it. Um, how are everything? How's everything going? Welcome to our show. We're good, oh, Jordan Lips. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Do you hate that we always have to say your name in entirety? <laughs> I know. It's either Jordan Lips or Jordan Lips Fitness. <laughs> yeah. It's great, great to be here with you. I'm always actually glad you're buddy or macros because that would just be really awkward but i'm glad you see us as two entities it's wonderful sometimes we dm and i'm like i'm not really not really sure who i'm talking to here but uh it takes me like th- after the third dm i can decide i figured it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> every now and again i'll throw out an emoji with black hair just to like be like yeah, just, yeah, in yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. just in case <laughs> natalie dm me on her own instagram i was like how dare you have your own instagram how dare you have your own page Boy, if you feel that way, I certainly do. What, you cheating on me? (laughs) I just happened to follow somebody on my personal feed that I do not follow on our feed. Names will go nameless. And I happened to (laughs) transfer from that one. I was was like, to protect the innocent or the guilty. (laughs) All right, guys. So we're going to actually talk today about something that a lot of you ask about. um, Calories. and, And we like to call it calorie entitlement because there's definitely, I think, some it's like a, it's like the new, it's the new, what do we call it? Like the, the new, new flex. flex. Yes. To be able to eat a lot and not look like it. And I think people are curious about like, ooh, how can I make more? How can I have more? How totally. can, you know, it used to be like, this is, I can eat as low as possible. Like, I'm so proud of myself that I can eat a thousand calories. And now it's like kind of the other end where it's like, oh, hey, I can eat 2,800 calories and I don't even look like it. Well, totally. Yeah. Like as a re- reflection of like, this is how hard I work. This is, this is. Or my level of fitness. Almost like my, my fitness salary. Like. <laughs> It's Which better than the, really great. It's better at least it at least it's better this way. Uh I would rather I would rather it swing over to the side where people are like flexing how much they can eat than flexing how much they can endure on the bottom end. So at least they're like two extremes. We're gonna talk about the problems with this extreme today, but the of the two extremes, like, I'm definitely happy we're on this end of the spectrum. Oh, one thousand percent. If we have more people trying to chase these like lofty goals of eating more, like let's let's we're in the right trajectory for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But let's also like be a little bit reasonable and realistic about what that all means and what it all comes totally. down to. It's like one of your kids wanting to be in the NFL. It's like I love that for you. Let's go ahead ahead and work towards that <laughs> why don't we just start with like high school football first? yeah <laughs> well all right so yeah go, you guys go ahead oh just gonna talk about like you know why don't we start with calories and where they come from and how you even know what you need oh yeah absolutely so your your total daily energy expenditure also known as tdee also known as maintenance also known as homeostasis and the other names we can come up with this for this is a combination of a few different factors your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, which is basically, um, are you a man or a woman? How tall are you? How much do you weigh? How much muscle do you have? How much does it, and how much, how many calories does it take to keep the lights on? If you had, if you were just laying prone all day, um, Netflix, exactly watching nine perfect strangers in a coma, what have you. So that's your BMR plus, um, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or also known as your NEAT, which is all of the movement you do outside of formal exercise. So everything from fidgeting and chewing to running up the stairs for that laundry basket, whatever. Um, so that's your NEAT. Um, then your exercise activity, which, uh, which can be a tricky thing for people to determine sometimes. Um, like Natalie is want to say, it's kind of the one area where we tend to over. Everybody's really generous <laughs> with their exercise activity. I think everyone's yes. nobody likes to think that they're sedentary. I mean, right. and, that, and that's fair and, and therefore should be acted as such. But I think definitely people tend to be more generous on their activity than maybe they really are. Well, absolutely. And similarly, people tend to focus on this part as the major point of their like of their 
Calorie burn. Exactly. When it's just a small part of it. Um, then also the thermic effect of food, which is the amount of calories it takes to digest the food that you're eating. A little shout out for protein and fiber, which have the highest thermic effect. Holla. <laughs> so all of these things together, that is your total daily energy expenditure. Also, you could also call it your metabolic rate. Like that's how many calories you expend in a day. And while it can vary, it's surprisingly stable from day to day. Um, you have a maintenance range of like a couple hundred calories. So um, that. Maybe we should address that real quick too. Don't yeah. you think Jordan, like why maintenance is a range. I think people hear that and they, they think like, what does that even mean? Like a lot of times people think that like, if I'm cutting calories at like, let's just say like, you know, 1400 calories, then my maintenance should be like 1816 or like 1926. Like, I think they feel like it's very definitive. It has to be very specific, a specific number in maintenance. Right. right? Just like it is in a deficit, which is also, I mean, we also know that deficits can be ranges too, but people Mm -hmm. don't like that. People like specificity. So I feel like the same thing in maintenance, like because you are not the same person every single day, your TDE is not going to be identical every single day. Yeah. Unless you are a robot. Right. Absolutely. I the theme is going to be coming up a little bit. Are you a robot or are you a fluctuating human? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, TDE, def- TDE definitely changes day to day. Usually it's pretty static, like week to week, month to month. So over the course of time, you can like kind of aggregate an average. But it, speaking of this like fl- flexibility, some of what uh, Heidi was talking about, NEAT, uh, which is like your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, technically is subconscious, which means we can't do anything about it. And we're going to talk today ad nauseum about the stuff you can do and what is in your control. But one of the things that's not in your control by definition is something that's subconscious so a lot of this like fidgeting and blinking and talking with your hands and even just like a natural subconscious like proclivity to want to get up and move it's like getting the remote like over there or like wanting to take the stairs or some of those are to some degree are subconscious and totally and and how and how flexible your metabolism is like you had said uh natalie of like well my maintenance is 18 so i should be able to cut at 16 or 17 or whatever because technically that's lower um our metabolism is quite flexible and obviously that's going to vary a lot between people and where that flexibility comes from is this sub mostly this subconscious movement where some people in response to let's say eating higher than what you think your maintenance is uh is or a little bit lower than where the maintenance is your body will adapt to some degree and that's a pretty especially adapting to a deficit is pretty pretty important evolutionarily speaking not to go big tangent but like you, we would all, we would not be here today if you, your metabolism couldn't adapt to periods of lower food by bringing calories down via this subconscious movement. So obviously today we're at more of a risk of overconsumption and underconsumption, but this ability for your metabolism to be a bit flexible based on how much food you give it is super important. And most of that's coming from this subconscious movement need. Yeah. So and another way I would explain that is that's one of the main reasons you plateau is your, this subconscious movement, your motivation to move declines. So what once was a calorie deficit now is not because you've adapted to this lower fuel. So your, your metabolism is now functioning at a lower, a lower rate. It's adapted. And a side tangent on your side tangent oh, on your side it. tangent yes. <laughs> is that as you are in a deficit, your subconscious movements do decrease automatically. So you're not even necessarily aware of them. So maybe you're not shaking your leg as hard as you usually are, or maybe you're not twitching as much, or maybe your hand movements have downregulated a little bit as you're animatedly talking, or maybe you're not shaking your head as much or nodding as much. So while I think a lot of people think like, oh, I'm exactly fine. It just pinches a little in a deficit. It's like, no, everything literally is slowing down because you don't have the energy to support it. Right. Like if you were, if you could look at like your step count data, without following it, if you were in a deficit, you would see that decline over time, which is one of the reasons people track it. 
Yep. That's super good point. I love that point. I always like w- love to do that experiment with the clients. Like, Hey, if you, if you tracked your steps, but you didn't look at it and we looked over a four week period on average over 12 week deficit, like it would go down. It would. Um, and so, like you said, that's one of the benefits of like manually overriding that by like trying to keep your steps super high. And if we're being, if we're being thorough, your, your metabolism also, your metabolism also down, like down regulates over the course of a deficit because you lose weight. And so you are a smaller person that thus requires less calories. And so, yes, there's some down regulation of this subconscious movement, you burn less calories. Hopefully, I mean, if, if you are technically in a deficit, you will technically over time require less calories as well. Ooh, okay. Let's like stop there. I, that wasn't quite obviously the like trajectory we're going to, but I think we, it's important to address that, that like people who lose a lot of weight still think that they need a certain amount of calorie range or they're like, oh, I see somebody on Instagram who's like, you know, 115 pounds, but they eat like 2,700 calories. It's like the less you weigh, the less food you require. Mm-hmm. I mean, that yep. is, I mean, with, with the anomalies aside, and like, you know, the people like that are like not the norm aside. Yes. The less you weigh, the less food you get. Yep. Also, like, the older you get. Yeah. Like I've heard you, you explain it. Like how many calories does it take? Though I've heard you say it this way, Jordan, like how many calories does it take to move this machine? If this machine is not as heavy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, thought that was a super like good if you're, analogy. Like if you're driving like a Corolla versus like a Expedition, you're going to yeah. obviously use ga- less gasoline. RIP. Oh. Sorry. This is just a little California dig. Nothing like paying four dollars and forty nine cents a gallon for your SUV. <laughs> but we digress. Yeah, we digress. So where 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 does this? Okay, so we're talking about okay. This is how we make up our metabolism. This is how we get how many calories we eat. We've established that it is flexible in some degree. It's flexible both in response to more food by your body upregulating some metabolism to some degree. It's also flexible in a downward direction. You know, we've gone over the fact that a larger body and it, it will require more calories than a smaller body on average, at least from a BMR standpoint. Like where where is the confusion? Because obviously there's going to be something like you'll get a question in the Q and A box, and and we'll have DMs of uh, where is the misunderstanding? Because I think everybody kind of is understanding that, okay, I'm a larger body, I'm a larger machine that requires more energy. If that machine moves more, it also requires more energy. So in order for me to get more calories, I'm either larger or I move more. But where is some of this, where are the questions that, what questions still are there? Well, I think it comes down to a lot of the language that we hear on Instagram or even just in the world in general, whether it's like a TV show from the 90s <laughs> or like Shape magazine. I think the big buzzword is boosting metabolism, oh, totally. right? And so I think let's address that. Like a lot of people think like, oh, there's a way to game my metabolism in order to have copious amounts of food, whether it's building muscle and strength training, because it does a little bit to a certain, I mean, to a mm-hmm. certain extent, like, yes, muscle does metabolically like burn more calories over in a space so then uh-huh. for sure in your mind you're like well if it burns more then i should get more right right so let's talk about that but also i think people think that there's a way or even special foods right like if i have lemon and cayenne pepper i will boost my metabolism oh totally or even fat burners like that i mean one of the reasons that, that anybody would swear by a fat burner which you know typically has high caffeine or ginseng or something like that is because it helps you move more and might have appetite suppressant qualities. Right. But it's not, if you don't do anything with that extra energy, it's not going to do anything for your expenditure. So you guys are saying that if I have six diet Cokes, I don't have a faster metabolism. Is this what you're saying? Might have anxiety, but <laughs> does it anxiety biting. burn more calories? Just more kidding. All right. Does it- nail biting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might burn like what, 15 extra calories because your brain is moving that at that speed, sure. right? Yeah. Shout out to ADHD. <laughs> Holla. There's a there's an analogy that comes to mind for me when people talk about like um 
that when people critique calories in versus calories out, they often use things like, hey, calories in, calories out isn't a thing because if you eat a higher protein diet, you you see more fat loss. So there you go. But what we don't, what we're trying to understand from in that perspective is is actually calories in, calories out just encompasses a whole lot more than we think. And if something if something makes it look like it affects the calories in, calories out equation, it it is because it affects the calories in, calories out equation. When we are talking about boosting metabolism, we are we must legitimately be talking about increasing one of the things that Heidi went over, your BMR, your thermic effect of food, your exercise activity, or your non-exercise activity. Like If we are boosting metabolism, which you can do, and we're gonna talk about it in a second, like it is increasing one of those things. There's no like circumnavigating those pathways. Yeah. Like those are the things that that require calories. Those are the things that if we want to boost metabolism, if you want to quote boost metabolism, which we discussed is like synonymous with be able to eat more, one of those things is going to have to go up. So maybe it'd be helpful to kind of see, okay, how can each of those things go up, which is a, a synonymous with like, how can I increase or boost my metabolism? Mm-hmm. Well, and to your point about it being confusing, where's the confusion? I think there's lots of opportunities for confusion in all of those different variables because some of them are objective, but how do you know for sure? Like you could, like you might think body fat percentage is objective, right? But we all know, but the three of us know that there's always a downside to any way you measure your body fat percentage. So that would inform like, so the objective things you can miscalculate. And the subjective things like what is, how often do I exercise? What's my activity multiplier? You can also, um, it can be difficult to assess yourself successfully, right? So there's, um, let alone like dieting history and the other variables that can impact this. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. You might be missing objective information. You might be misinterpreting or miscalculating subjective information, right? Yeah. I think just to like throw some like uh, just things that we're going to talk about later. The whole point of this discussion for you listening is like, there are going to be people, you're listening here thinking, how can I eat more and stay the same weight? How can I, how come so-and-so at my height, weight, and age, or maybe not, can eat more than me? And I think a lot, I just want you guys to know that those are the questions that we're going to be answering. That's kind of the what the sphere of what we're discussing here is like, how come you hear so-and-so eating X calories and you're eating less than that? And how is that possible? And so we'll, we'll kind of get to answering those things directly, but hopefully this laying some like groundwork from a metabolism perspective perspective. So if you're looking to boost your metabolism, we have four, we have the four components. We have BMR, we have thermic effect, we have uh, exercise activity, and we have non-exercise activity. If you want to boost your BMR, if you want your BMR to be higher, you can literally just do two things. One, you can physically gain weight. And so that's obvious. Everyone's laughing. They're like, oh, this is the whole point is I don't want to do that. Um, I want to be able to eat more without gaining weight. But you, we laugh, but that is like a fundamental thing here. BMR is mostly down to your size, height, and weight. And so if you want to change one of those, you'll have a higher BMR or lower BMR, right? And the second would be you can change body composition. So at any given height and weight, you could have more muscle mass and less fat at a certain body weight. Now, I would put a big asterisk just knowing that like there's a zillion reasons, health reasons, physical reasons, like quality of life reasons to have more muscle. But this idea that you're going to burn a ton more calories isn't really one of them. And that's not to Debbie Downer muscle. Having more muscle is important for a literally every health marker that you can think of and quality of life. And so this is not like a shot at building muscle, but like, you know, if you recomped, gained 10 pounds of muscle and you lost 10 pounds of fat, which by the way is a massive undertaking. That's a long, that's a crazy thing. If you weigh 130 and you've gained 10 pounds of muscle and lost 10 pounds of fat and you weigh 130 again, you probably burn anywhere from 30 to 70 extra calories a day. And so it's quite minute. Now, again, I'm going to close this. We can move to the next one. You guys can talk about this might to play my own devil's advocate. It might be meaningful over the lifespan. If you 
I, I, it might, by the way, if you gain a, a very significant amount of muscle, you gain 20 to 30 pounds, which uh, is a lot and definitely requires a, a ton of work. But years of effort for years, women, yes. A lifetime, it's a lifetime of effort. That's like yeah. what's available to you genetically. Now we might be talking about north of 100 calories, which to somebody sounds like a, you know, a spit in the bucket, but okay, maybe that's, maybe now we're talking about something meaningful, at least when we add up the other factors here. So we can move on to another one. You guys can take one of them. Well, I also want to like kind of tie in with what you're just saying is that like, you also can't trade the two. So I like to make, make that blanket statement. Like I think people think like, oh, I can trade 10 pounds of fat for 10 pounds of muscle. That's not really how it works. Um, but I think people have this illusion of like staying the same weight, building so much more muscle mass, staying the same, you know, getting more food to eat. Like it's almost like this, like, I want to like make more money, but I want to like work less, you know, which is like, okay, well that's possible, but there's also like, it's not just an even, or even like, I'm just going to work less hours, just pay me more kind of thing. It's yeah. just like, you do have to do some work involved to get to that kind of level of like salary. Right. Mm -hmm. I also think what's interesting is also what to your guys's point is that like, you don't get into lifting to get more food. <laughs> like that's not, that should not be the, like, I'm going to lift weights and strength train because I just want an extra hundred calories over the space of 10 years. Like that's yeah. not the reason to get into like building muscle. <laughs> I would also love to just kind of point out overall, it's like, you know, people talk about building all this muscle, but it's like, you've likely not gained enough because you're terrified of gaining weight. So let's also put that into context too, about like, oh, I have all this muscle now, so I should be able to eat more. It's like, well, unless you really have been like either in a surplus or a maintenance calorie range for a long enough time and, you know, lifting at least intelligently for six to months to a year to three years, you're not in this space where like you're getting this hundred extra calorie bonus. Yes. But full circle, why don't we also just start with like, maybe you should actually find out what your TDE is. You know, you get a lot of women who are like, oh, I'm eating so much. I'm eating more than ever and I'm not gaining weight. It's like, yeah, because you've never been in a maintenance calorie range ever. Mm -hmm. So yes, to you, somebody who's maybe been eating like 13, 14, 1500 calories their whole life, 17, 1800 calories, 1900 calories, you, you have this illusion of boosting your metabolism. When in reality, this is the food you've always been Mm, right. Interesting. Yes. Like if they think like, oh, you know, most women should only eat like, you know, 1600 calories or whatever. And all of a sudden you find out that you can eat 2000 as your maintenance calorie range. You're going to think that you've boosted your metabolism when in reality that was your that was right all along. So something just important to maybe realize, like find out what your TDE is before you go on thinking like this illusion of like me lifting out, lifting weights for like the last three months has given me 500 calories more food. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's just, I mean, I'm not to not to tangent all over the place. Well, but. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is what the three of us does. Tangent, tangent. Come on, let's go. Well, it's just, I mean, what, what, why would you be dissatisfied with your maintenance calories? Um, because maybe you're comparing to somebody, comparing yourself to somebody else, um, or you're kind of, you're like, well, I can eat more than that. So can't that be my maintenance? <laughs> <laughs> Which it's like, you know, again, the three of us know that there's not always a lot of um, correlation between calorie content and satisfaction. So even in a maintenance range, um, it still can take some paying attention to make sure you're satisfied with your calorie calorie level. Well, of course, because I mean, it's really easy to turn maintenance calorie range into a surplus really quickly. It's exactly. like just because you could eat 3000 calories doesn't mean that mm -hmm. that's your TDE. Right. Well, exactly. exactly. And I mean, I wish. I know. <laughs> cool. And all right, so let, let, let's let's kind of look at what uh, what are some other things that you could technically do because the whole point of this conversation is to find out that it's kind of anticlimactic and there aren't as many things as you could do to boost your metabolism. And then we can kind of talk about like why is there this disconnect between what you think you're eating plus what you think you should be able to eat based on what somebody else eats. And so really quickly, the other three components of metabolism would be thermic effect of feeding, which you can technically boost that if you eat more protein. But again, it's like 
the, the muscle thing. It's like technically yes, but super minute, you know, very, very small amount. If And honestly, probably only meaningful if you're eating very low protein and you go to very high protein with the same calories. And most people are not doing that. So it's a negligible amount. And then the other part, two, two parts, well, one of them is subconscious, which by definition you can't do anything about. And the other one is conscious movement. And so, you know, we have these the two biggest ways that you can improve your metabolism is by boosting BMR via gaining weight, which, okay, people are laughing. They don't want to do that. So what's the other option? Um, they can move more. And so realistically from we're going to talk in a second about the disconnect and how to kind of figure it out and where where some of those complications come into play. But if you're think if you legitimately knew your TDE and you're wondering how can I get make it higher? Well, your options are be larger or move more. Um, and that are those really are things that people really know that didn't like shock anybody. <laughs> okay, well, so this is actually a great question. And I and I'm, I want to hear your thoughts for sure, because we have this like elusive, like, you know, or this like standard 10,000 step goal, right? That like floats around the internet is like considered active and things like that, right? And then you have everything higher than 10,000, which, you know, puts people into like a very active range. Then you have like, you know, 5,000, 4,000, which puts people at sedentary. So obviously we know that like when you're, especially if you're in a calorie deficit and your subconscious movement has downregulated, gaming your steps is a way to definitely keep the, keep your energy output increased. But is there a place that after 10,000 steps, it kind of becomes like, kind of like the muscle theory too, where it's like, yeah, I mean, you're, 20,000 steps isn't going to necessarily get you so much more food either, right? Like, or being so much more active. Yeah, there's a there's a diminishing return. You know where that is, we don't really know. There's some theories that there's an interesting study came out this past month about energy compensation, meaning your body's pretty smart, and for you know if you do really rigorous exercise at one part of the day, that your body compensates with burning less calories. And it's not huge, and we're not sure about it yet. But like Natalie, the point is that like let's say you're north of ten thousand, you're it's probably a much bigger jump in terms of effect, like efficiency for going from 5,000 to 10,000, then from 10 to 15, from 15 to 20, you're probably not getting net the same benefit in terms yeah. of calorie burn. There's some efficiency. Your body becomes more efficient at doing, doing a certain movement and efficient in this context is a bad thing means you burn less calories to do it. Um, and so there's definitely like, you, okay, I'm, if, once you're, I don't know if you guys like, I don't know what you guys would recommend from a practical standpoint, but normally if somebody's getting like over 13, 14, 15 K, like it, there's almost, it, there's, there's something else we should be doing to get metabolism up or there's some, there's some other route that I would go to. It's like, you know what? Let's get 18,000. It's like, I probably wouldn't recommend being like, yeah, you know the difference, you know what you should be doing? You should really jack it up to 18 from 15. That's going to make the difference. Like probably not. I feel a little personally attacked. It's fine. <laughs> well, you you caught that? It's fine. <laughs> oh, that wasn't that was an intentional dig. <laughs> it is true. I definitely like I am I am prideful about my step count. But it doesn't really do anything for me, guys. And I think that's also the point. Like my maintenance calorie range, I don't get twenty seven hundred calories because my average steps are fourteen to eighteen thousand calorie the eighteen thousand steps a week. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't earn me more food. And I think that's that supports the point that like just because you do move more doesn't mean you automatically get this like crazy threshold, right? Yep. Or just because you're active and you do certain amounts, like there is a there is a limit. There is yeah. a bamboo ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about calories. that. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's, let's talk about, about how how the operant question here is how is it different between two people who are very similar because I think a lot of people kind of I hope that you guys understand that if you're uh, looking at somebody who's a buck 30 buck 40 and very active has a ton of muscle and you're not any of those things maybe you weigh more or less or you don't you're not active you don't lift like hopefully you see a disconnect between you and that person but I mean maybe you don't maybe we want to talk about that first of like at least acknowledging whether or not this is your archetype or not and are you being unrealistic about you know how much you move and how much you track and how much you are active and all this stuff um, but what about what about people do we want to pause there or do we want to talk about two people that might actually be similar 
Let's do it. I mean, I think it's important to talk about because it's like kind of what we're addressing is like the people on Instagram, right? Who are like the 1%. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people use people on Instagram as like they model whether it's their nutrition Mm -hmm. and like what they eat in a day, right? They think like, oh, there's some magical properties to this girl's oatmeal, right? (laughs) 16 blueberries. That one's getting personally attacked. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. It just happened to see the oatmeal. It's like, you know, like 16 blueberries is the difference between me having abs or not, right? Right. Or don't go 23 blueberries because heaven forbid, right? Exactly. I mean, already we've, we've just we've talked about how many different variables there are. It's like, to your point, you're Jordan, like you're comparing yourself to, you know, whatever Instagrammer who has this, these results, these aesthetic results. And so you think, oh, if I do what she does, I will look like her. But are you even remotely the same age, like uh, height, lifestyle, all of those things. So just making sure that it, like the people that you're comparing yourself to are even fair or relevant. Well, and do you even have the same parents? And ironically, even if you have the same parents, you don't even have like the same like potential sometimes, right? Exactly. (laughs) Genetic potential is unique and be excited about your own. Um, I mean, we, you and I are classic examples. I mean, we've been doing more or less the same workouts for five years and we have, I don't have your quads and you don't don't have have my, you don't have my shoulders, (laughs) right? It's like every, it's just, everybody has their different, um, they're different benefits, right? But I also don't have, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> well, I think, I think. Long list of things I'm not, it's fine. <laughs> I think your first, the first stop in, in the comparison game is making sure it's a, it's even remotely valid from an objective, right. like zoomed out perspective. And I think that there's even, even if you check it off and you're like, this is exactly me, this person's same height, weight, age, and activity level, like there are still issues, but really be honest about yourself. Like you don't know how much this person is moving. You don't know their diet history. You obviously don't know their genetics, which we're going to talk about in a second, but there's two big ones for me. You guys can throw another one on there if you think there is, but when you're considering, hey, I, how come X can eat this many calories and I can only eat less? And I think the two biggest ones for me are that one, this person moves way more than you think and way more than you do. It's like you at 6,000 steps and them at 16,000 steps. Like that is the difference between the two of your calories. And then the second one, personally, and maybe I'm a bit of a cynic, is that usually most people are like comparing themselves to a fitness professional who tracks, has been tracking for for decades and is extremely, extremely consistent and accurate to yourself who might not be as consistent as accurate. And so, you know, there's the classic, oh, I'm eating 1,200, I'm not losing weight. So, well, you, you know, you're probably not. Once in a while, maybe you do. Maybe even you do for a couple of days consecutively. But if you're saying, and, the, and it's some, these, these numbers might ring true, it's like, how come she can eat 23 and I can only eat 18? And it's like, well, first stop before we move forward is like, are you actually eating 18? Or do you eat 18 sometimes? And on the weekends, you forget to track. And is your 18 really 18? Or are you estimating you tracking at the end of the day and i'm not saying you should be all these things and you know take it to the absolute limit of neuroticism i'm not saying you should do that i'm just saying if you're going to compare make sure it's apples to apples are you as consistent as they are totally and do you and like you were saying figuring out your own metabolic rate like are are you just taking that information and, and copying it or do you actually know about your own and it really is okay i mean it's it's just a, such a self-sabotaging way to approach it, to want to be like somebody else, because everybody, like everybody looks, looks aesthetically for what is popular in our society. Everybody's going to look better trained versus untrained. Right. And so just be, be excited about what you can uncover, but also realize like it is a pro it is a lifetime process. It's not going to happen overnight and it wouldn't mean so much if it did. Well, and the irony of it too is like, so let's just say this influencer or whoever is eating 2,300 calories and you feel like, oh, I can only do 2,000. And I do love your point about like, 
how accurate are you? Do you totally. really, really know? But maybe you eating 2,300 calories to match hers would be the difference between you being able to being you being okay with gaining five to seven pounds and that's on your frame. And then your calories could be equivalent. Right. But then people don't like that answer, right? People don't think like, oh no, I don't want to have to gain more to like, but to our point about like, if you want more food, gain weight, right? Like you might need to gain five pounds, five to seven pounds to be able to have that 2,300 calorie range. Yeah. So how important is the calories to you? Yeah. Is it more important that you match this influencer's calorie range? Because for whatever reason, you feel like this is like indicative of who you are, or is it more that like, you don't want to gain that little amount of weight in order to have that? So totally. let's also talk about what you're giving up and what you're willing to like sacrifice in order to to be this person, air quotes. Yeah, right? totally in air quotes. And again, realizing that this this person that you're aspiring to copy may not even be, first of all, might not have a lifestyle that's like fair to compare yourself to. And they also might not be totally honest about their results. I mean, I'm, we'll just say it plainly, like people can edit pictures, posing makes such a huge difference. Like it's ridiculous. I mean, you might be like, Oh my gosh, she has a great, butt." yeah, the way you stand when you get a, take a picture of your butt is completely different than just like walking by your bathroom mirror. Well, and on the same note, like some people look at people's calories and like, Oh wait, if she eats that much and she's way more active than, and way more fit than I am, then I really shouldn't eat that much mm-hmm. because she obviously air quote deserves 2,300 calories. Oh, totally. My TD is supposed to be 2,300, but I don't look like her at all. Um, and I'm more sedentary than she is. So maybe I don't, I shouldn't get that much. Yeah. Food. Even though I'm 510. Yeah, yeah, I'm seven inches taller than her, 80 pounds heavier, but I shouldn't get it. It's it's so. This is again, the the misinterpretation of subjective and objective information. Right. right? And let's talk genetics, Jordan. I mean, let's talk about yours and how many calories you get to eat. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Metabolism Um, being flexible. (laughs) Well, we we talked about the the things that you could control. You could gain weight and that would allow you to eat more, but we don't want to do that. We want to be able to stay, maintain the same body weight and just eat more. And so your best bet to do that is to be more active, which we covered probably up until a point has beyond which a point has diminishing returns. And so there's so much that you can do in realistically in that regard. And then the rest of it is, you know, you could have a little bit more muscle, you could eat way more protein, which, okay, I have to say it because technically it's true, but it's very little. And the rest of it is going to come down to somewhat your genetic ability to your genetic ability to upregulate metabolism in the response to more food. And there's a landmark study for just so we can just so you guys can, this one always blows my mind that the, they fed people basically in a metabolic ward, which means it was super tightly controlled. They did all these lab testing. You, you, we, Heidi, you talk about actually knowing your TDE. These people actually knew their TDE because they did it in a, an actual lab and yeah. were tested. Yeah. <laughs> and so they took, let's say they took your, 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 your TDE and they decided it was 2000 based on all of their, their, their factors. They fed you 3000. They fed you a thousand calories over your maintenance and they saw that some people when fed a thousand calories over predicted maintenance gained zero pounds and some people gained more weight than you would expect so we have this massively wide spectrum of how you respond to eating more food than you than science would expect more food than what you find out when you plug into a calorie calculator and so this there's Again, it circles back to like if you like Heidi was talking about finding your own metabolic rate. Yes, you can use a calculator as a jumping off point. Yeah, you can even use, you know, people that you think are similar to you as a jumping off point, but it is only a jumping off point because how we respond, how our bodies respond, and we're going to talk about the upregulation uh, in response to more food because that's the the topic of today is like how can I eat more food? Um, and so they found that people responded. Just wrap your head around this. You plug in your calories into tdecalculator.net or the Precision Nutrition one. It comes out to 2,000. Then you eat 3,000 and nothing happens. That literally happened to people. Now, it's probably a bell-shaped curve where most people fall in, in, the, in the average and some people on the outliers, but 
the fact that there are outliers means you have yes. to throw away the playbook and you have to find out for yourself. And yes. so you might you can be, be comparing yourself to an yeah, outlier. To, and, and, <laughs> and that's and that's kind of where we're headed here is like you are probably probably comparing yourself to one. In my opinion, this sums this sums up this 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 uh, misunderstanding almost entirely. You're comparing yourself one to somebody who tracks way more accurately than you. And the number that you think you eat is probably higher. And that gap is probably already smaller out of the get go. Second, they probably move more than you. And so there the gap becomes even smaller again, because they they uh, their body needs more calories because they move more. And then third, they're probably in that you know, whatever, I hate saying genetic elite or 1%, but they're probably on one end of the bell curve where their metabolisms are quite adaptive because that might even self-select for fitness professionals in general because that's why they get into this field because everything's easier for them and this is what they're good at. And so, you know, yeah. you're like, okay, this person's eating 2,300. You think you're eating 18. Well, maybe you track like shit and it's really 1,950. Well, maybe they move more and theirs would be closer if they moved as much as you did. And then maybe they are also genetically gifted in terms of metabolic flexibility. Actually, it's actually not the right there term, but their metabolism is more flexible flexible in, in this case, more adaptive in this case, um, which I, I find to be pretty fascinating. Totally. Well, it is. I mean, I feel like that, I feel like that's how I feel right now sitting amongst the two of you. Like you guys are both part of the genetic elite and it's not to like diss on myself. It's just the, it's the reality of life. Right. And I think that I would love to talk about that even a little bit just for a little side tangent, because it's like, you guys are listening to this podcast thinking like, oh, am I, am I the genetic elite? Am I not? It's like, well, first of all, there's a way to find out, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. like go get trained, go do well, something. You don't have to go to the lab to do the thousand calorie <laughs> test. But I guarantee you, if you put Heidi and I in that test and you fed Heidi a thousand more calories than, and I, and I ate a thousand calories, I would be the, the person who gained exponential amount of weight and Heidi would not. And that's not a diss on me. That's mm -hmm. just the reality of like our genetics. We've, we've kind of learned that over the last five years together. Yeah. And in the way that we count macros and, and, and dieting phases and training and things like that. And it's, it's, it's not, it's not something worth getting upset about. Yeah, right? It's like, it, totally. it kind of, it's an, it is what it is kind of scenario. And it's just like, and what you kind of said about like, you know, people on Instagram, yeah, they're more predispositioned to being fitness professionals because their bodies do certain things. Well, it's totally. like Olympians, right? Like well, you get mad at a bunch of Olympians. <laughs> right. And like, sometimes a lot of times when you're trying to motivate somebody, you're like, yeah, do this this phrase, like do this, like it's your job, like work out, like it's your job. Yeah. It is these people's job. It's like, that's, yeah. that's their main focus in yeah. life. And for other, you know, for us civilians who are talking, just fantastic hair. I'm a hairdresser. It's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then just to tie it back around, like how, how, where is that difference coming from? It's coming from the subconscious upregulation of neat. It's coming from subconscious movement. And so if I eat more calories and I'll use myself as an example, if I eat more calories over, if I plug in tdecalculator.net and I put in my stats, like everybody is doing, it probably comes out to like 3,500 calories on uh, for maintenance at like 195 pounds. I get over 10,000 steps. I work out four times. I play soccer two times. And so quite, quite, quite active and probably 3,500. I won't gain weight at 4,000. I won't gain weight at 4,100. And I know those numbers, people are going to piss people off. That's okay. I'm not, it's not, it is what it is, but let me just for, and again, these numbers are going to piss people off too, but I don't lose weight. Like, think about this. I probably at peak gaining last time I was at like 4,300 calories and I was gaining at like a, an okay rate. It was a small surplus. Which it was fun, right? It was super fun, right? <laughs> I don't know if you – it was It was honestly towards the end it's not fun, but but in the beginning it's certainly fun. But if I want to lose weight, and again, this is going to piss people off. We're going to look at the – I have to go into the low 2000s. And so that's almost a 2,000 calorie difference. Now, that means my metabolism is very adaptive, but it's adaptive in both directions. And so I need to go quite low, like me and I have a client of mine who's same height, same weight, different body composition. He's maybe not as not as much muscle at, at like around 200 pounds. 
he he's in a surplus at 3,500, you know? And so there's just going to be in a very similar activity. Um, and so yeah. there's going to be a ton of individuality. And that is coming from, listen, I know those numbers and I stand by them because guess what? I am that fitness professional you are comparing yourself to. There's a reason I'm not talking about my calories on there because it's not relevant to you. My my metabolism, my genetics are a little bit different. My activity is a little bit different. Um, and so like it's about, Heidi made a great point. I really do think that there's like some, some hard work to be done here about finding what your range is. What is the quote upper end of your maintenance? Um, and one point I would like to say is Nat- Natalie made an awesome point about what is, what's the point of all this? Like, isn't the point, I know eating more food and staying the same weight at face value sounds better, bar none. It's not even like, that's just like, you don't have to, that sounds better. But the, you know, if you look at your life objectively and you try not to compare yourself, if you're living a life where you feel satiated and satisfied and you're on a regular basis, not super food focused and your life in general, if you looked at it, you stopped comparing yourself. You're like, no, actually I could, I feel pretty good at these calories and I have enough inclusive nature with my food. I don't have to make too many trade-offs. Like, so what if she's eating 2,500 and you're eating 2,100? Like so at some level, maybe, and I, we don't need to go too into the, to the genetic weeds, but there's a big uh, uh, variance in terms of how satiated people get per meal and how hungry people get. Mm-hmm. And so this person might might have a just a happy, just as happy a life as you at 2,500 and you at 2,000 because you at 2,000 are full and content and them at 2,000 would be starving. And so they literally need that. Well, totally. And not to like melt everybody's faces, but there's also, even when you're talking about appetite, there's so many variables that affect appetite. It might not even, that might not just be your calorie intake. It's like your recovery, yada, yada, yada. So how- Did you get a Charlie horse again? Yep, yep. Oh my gosh. I was like, what did I say? (laughs) No, but like one thing that I think- calves that you don't train. Seriously. He just lifted up his leg. (laughs) One of these, the principle I think behind this, which is probably- which may be really helpful for people listening is like, how do we, how do we know all of this stuff? How do you know what, you know, like you were saying, how do you find your metabol, your, your maintenance range or whatever? It's all of this is based on observation, assessment, taking data, looking at the trends. That is how you know all of this about yourself, Jordan. And same with, same with us. So plugging all your information into a calculator is the starting off point. And then from there, we want to be watching our trends doesn't have to be to your point obsessive but if it's something that you're interested in improving let's not go by gut alone let's like let's not go by subjective assessment alone again like as you're walking past the, the bathroom mirror or whatever and being like Ugh, i don't feel good so therefore my whole fitness journey is like off track like calm there's a great way to calm yourself is to be able to look at the data of of what you're you know what calories you're taking in what your weight fluctuation trends are. Are you giving yourself enough time for, to recovery, to recover between workouts? You know, as you go through this process, you learn a lot about yourself, um, a lot of self-awareness. And there's a lot of, um, I don't know, there's, there's just times where it can save you a lot of emotional self-battery. Yeah. I mean, the comparison game, I mean, not just calories. I feel like calories is just yet another way of metric for people to use to like, feel like they're not good enough or they're not doing well enough or they are doing well or they're not doing well. And some of it or comes, should, should, yeah, should, should, and should. some of it comes down to that it has nothing to even do with you. I mean, Heidi and I eat together like 90% of our life. She gets about three, 400 more calories than I am. Am I sitting here bitter that like, I don't get to like eat in that range? Sometimes. I'm, well, I'm just sometimes. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm bloody satisfied at the calorie range I'm at because that's the calorie range that my body 
yeah. needs. I mean, it's kind of like being all upset and mad about like, you know, Jeff Bezos having as much money as he has. Like, well, I want that. Okay, well, sure. Like, you, you, but, do you, but do you need it? <laughs> you guys you guys spend quite a bit of time together. Uh, uh, and my question, I guess, to you is like, if you, yes, you maybe you guys have different levels of how much how many calories you could eat. Maybe you guys are similar body weight, similar activity level. You guys have similar lifestyles. Do you find that, let's say you guys go out to eat together, that one of you has like a crazy ravenous hunger. The other one really like, from a physiology, from a biofeedback perspective, it feels like they require more food than the other? Or do you guys feel like, you know, when when you both go out, let's say you both, let's say this was the, the black and white, let's say uh, Heidi had a little bit more calories, Natalie has a little less calories, you guys go out to eat and you order something that's proportionate to how many calories you have left, do you both walk away equally satisfied? Or like, like what is the, like the real difference between having more calories and less calories is maybe having more calories is a little bit easier in this food landscape. But outside of that, maybe you are proportionately equally satisfied at that many calories. Or do you find that like one of you guys is always hungry and ravenous and the other one's not? Or do you find it's kind of similar? Even if you have less calories, you're both like relatively uh, uh, similar in terms of hunger and satiety. So I would say actually, if, that's interesting that you asked that because yeah, if I sit and really think about it, I actually do think that you have a higher, a bigger appetite than I do. As far as like when we sit down and eat together, like the amount of food that like you like to eat and that you feel satisfied with is mm-hmm. different than mine. Yeah. We order similar things, of course. Like if we're going to a taco place, we're sure. getting, you know, we're sharing something, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like Heidi might get one more taco than I will, mm-hmm. right? Or you might have like half and more donut than I will, depending on what mm-hmm. the day is or, you know, full circle, right? Or yep. even like at breakfast. Like I eat before working out. Like yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah you she don't, eats before yeah. working out. Mm-hmm. I don't work. I mean, and so, yeah, I mean, I would. Well, and similarly, similarly, I think like you were saying about, you know, you there's a downside to when you cut. I feel like you are much more, you, you, I like cutting gives me a lot of anxiety. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a much more extreme emotional process for me generally than I think it is for you as well. So again, it's like, there's, depending on what angle you're looking at, it's just pros and cons to both my friend. I mean, so it's like, you really, yeah, but it's like we are just individuals at the same yeah. time. It's like I think that's actually a great question because we are very similar in a lot of ways, but we're obviously very two separate different mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And we have different requirements, which is totally fine. Like I'm not I mean, yeah, in in my wildest dreams, because like I hit the amount of calories, I mean I, I know how to do it. Oh, dude, totally. <laughs> I, I definitely could. But at the same time, there is something about like, yeah, we are just very different. Like I, <laughs> I like to exercise fasted, she doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. like the, I like the, interval worker work workouts. You like right. AMRAPs. Like I can, yeah, <laughs> I can, I can go till like, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 without, you know, with a protein shake, she definitely likes to have some oatmeal in the beginning. It's like mm-hmm. metabolically, we are different. Yep. Another and I think that comes down to genetics, right? Like if I had to eat 4,000 calories, Jordan, look, I don't even know where I would start and not even to be like, Oh, I can't do it. I mean, I'm fully up for the challenge, mm-hmm. but I think it does require a level of like intensity that like mm-hmm. somebody that demands that much kind of that much food would be able to meet. Does that make sense? Like whether it's appetite or time or duration or Mm -hmm. energy output, things like that. Interesting. So all this to say. Really good question. Yeah. I I have a lot of friends. My my group of friends are all similar. We're all similar. They're a little bit taller than me, but we're all right around 200 pounds. And they all think I have a massive appetite. And we always go out and I'm I'm always starving and I'm always going to eat way more (laughs) than them. And yet we're all the same weight. And they're satisfied with what they get, slightly smaller portion. Um, And so, yes, it might be nicer in today's food landscape to be able to eat more yummy stuff. But if we are equally satisfied then that is hopefully the end game is to be satisfied, to not always be hungry and not be always food focused. And if you guys have, you know, two people have different levels of metabolism, but they also have different levels of hunger and satiety and they end up similarly satisfied with two different calorie amounts. That's awesome. That's great. That's the end goal. Minus the fact that it 
it you know it the person who can eat more might be able to eat less nutrient dense food and and stuff it in but they might be more hungry when they do that yeah 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 well and also again like there's lots of reeves that lots of things that contribute to a feeling of satisfaction regarding food i mean yeah, there's true. um emotional yeah yeah talking everything from food choices to how well you slept sure. last night yeah Agreed. And in and any calorie balance, whether you're in a deficit or in maintenance or in a surplus, your food choices do make a difference from yeah. satisfaction standpoint. So if you're filling all your calories with like rice cakes, then yeah, you're not well, going to be totally. as happy who's, as someone who had a slice of pizza. Similarly, <laughs> if you really struggle with stress management and you you eat your feelings, you will it'll never be enough. Yeah, it'll never be enough. You'll never get it. You'll never get enough of what you don't really need. Yeah. So right. b- b- basically cut, cut the crap and tell me how I can reverse diet my calories a little bit higher. No, but seriously, that is the question. I mean, that's a, that is a si- very similar way of, that is a similar, we've answered that in a roundabout way, but that is the question that people are at. Okay. So-and-so totally. says I reverse dieted my calories up to this number. Can I too reverse diet my calories up to that point? Like how does this like revert? I mean, we're just attaching the word reverse diet to the idea of eating more, but how can I reverse diet my way to higher calories? And then the secondary question of like, how can that allow me to then later at a later date cut at even higher calories? Oh, you wish. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the freaking American dream of the nineties, right? It's like, oh, I want to be able to like spend as much (laughs) as I want and also be able to save as much as I want. Well, and I do think there is some societal like influences here like as americans it's like sort of taught to us you can be whatever you want to be and it's like okay yeah but you also like there are there's a genetic potential yeah exactly like you said earlier there is a point where maintenance becomes a surplus and uh i love the idea of people uh, people reverse dieting to the upper threshold of their maintenance but a lot of people are not up for it (laughs) because your upper threshold of maintenance might be five to seven pounds heavier and not because of body fat No, just because of like needs and well, I mean, arguably body fat set point, if you want to get into those weeds, I mean, there are just places that people are more comfortable and able to sustain. Totally. Right. Totally. You you said it, Natalie. I mean, there is such a thing. Like I, I fully believe that your happiest life will be at eating the most you could eat at a body weight and size and shape and activity level, all that stuff that feels good for you, whatever that is. And so we, the upper end of your maintenance is the is the the best that's the that's like the utopia that's like the promised land and so we, we're talking about like reverse dieting what we're talking about is finding that point where my metabolism is has upregulated neat the most that it can and if i eat a little bit more it becomes a surplus which we could talk about if that's you know but you said it usually finding your upper end of maintenance means full glycogen stores which means more water retention which means more yeah. stomach content and so it usually will mean weighing more than whatever you ended your deficit at and so a lot of people stop shy of their happiest life their potentially leanest strongest body um and finding out where like the amount of calories that they could actually eat because they probably, it probably does mean weight gain. Probably doesn't mean fat gain, probably means weight gain. Yes. Um, and so that is something that most people don't end up actually finding. They're stopping at 18 when in reality you might be like, hey, I'm only 18, she's eating 23. I'm like, well, have you tried eating 19? Have you tried eating 2000? Because maybe it mm-hmm. is maintenance for you. You're not going to know until you try. Well, totally. And again, going back to the misinterpretation of subjective of subjective things or and objective things like you're on the scale you step on the scale your weight is up you assume this is body fat i haven't kept quote kept my results close quote like i you know and so that's one one aspect of it and then another aspect of it is is treating maintenance like retirement and that you don't have to like you don't pay attention to your trends over time and that if you're just going 
um, no knock against an intuitive approach, but if you're really trying to keep a set of results, you do kind of need to pay attention. doesn't even need to be every day, but like you do need to pay attention over time, right? Because body fat set point is real. Your, your, your body, after having lose weight, will subconsciously cue you to eat more to return to that body fat set point. You can keep your results for sure, but if you aren't paying attention like anything else, you, then that's, then that, that is at the whim of whatever life may throw at you. Yeah. And regardless of how many calories you can eat. So long way to answer that last question. If you can push your maintenance or you can reverse diet up to a higher calorie balance, can you cut at a higher calorie? So it's more comfortable in your life? Not necessarily. No. I mean, you, yeah, Jordan's like, like, example yeah, is exact Jordan, evidence. Yeah. yeah. And myself, yourself mm -hmm. there are people that can eat 2700 calories and still have to end up in the 13s so yep. and the leaner you are the more you've dieted typically the more aggressive your cuts have to be and especially the more often mm -hmm. you're doing them too yep and you really need to be paying attention to plateaus because the longer you stay in a deficit especially after it's not useful anymore that's going to that's going to compromise your your metabolic bounce back. <laughs> Something I want to kind of make clear is that the person that you're watching reverse their calories up super high, um, they are they are finding out that where that upper end of their maintenance is and always was. They are not they are not yes. busting through something that was no longer that was not previously uh, available to them. This is where they end at that point of my my meat is firing super fast at this body weight and activity level this is the most i could eat and you doing the same process whether we could talk about slowly reversing or not whatever you will also find that ceiling where if i go higher than this i end up at a surplus my metabolism can't wrap up anymore ramp up anymore and so what they did it, they didn't they found a place that was always available to them this person who's like hey i reversed from 1400 to 2700 like their metabolism was always capable of doing that they did not by nature of this process bust through a plateau that was not available to them and so yeah. you too will find where that ceiling is if you whatever you go slow we do reverse dieting we're talking about another time but let's say you eat more it's the same example of like uh the person who's like i'm eating 18 i how come they're eating 23 it's like well you have you tried 19 have you tried 2000 have you pursued that ceiling for yourself it might be you know you know uh, closer to it than you think and additionally you get to decide by the way and natalie you put this well is like uh, if you might find out that that you that the pursuit of higher calories leads to a slight bit of weight gain but you might freaking find out that that trade is something you are super okay with it's likely that if if you told me if i told you or you or anybody listening to this you could gain four pounds and you could eat three or 400 more calories. Now, again, that, that's not a perfect metric. It's not always how it works. But let's say sometimes, what if it's five, what if it's five pounds for three or 400 more calories? Three or 400 more calories is super meaningful. Five pounds sounds meaningful, but it is, it promise you it is not meaningful. Nobody um, notices. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm not diminishing people who care about that. I'm just trying to give you a little, empower you a little bit to say there's like a, you know, your life is probably happier with a couple extra pounds and a couple hundred extra calories. And so even if we are in this discussion of, I went into a small surplus, like, okay, like I'll have clients who are, who finish their cut at whatever, 140, and then they maintain at 146 or something. And they're like a little yes. bent out of shape. And I'm like, yeah, but you're 700 calories. You're eating more than you've ever eaten before is this body that you have in this lifestyle that you get to live is this matching up to your perfect life or does it want to kind of skew in one direction 
Well, and it's it's always going to be a balance, right? I mean, it is what what is this obsession our human nature has with just like the set it and forget it idea? But it's like it's just something you're all you're going to have to be paying attention to over time. Again, doesn't have to be a neurotic daily obsessive thing. But you know, when people say I've gained weight and maintenance. So we have to take into consideration, again, all of those things that you just said. Plus, if you are eating at the, if, let's say you find the upper end of your maintenance and you're and you're tracking there, but then weekends and vacations are just sort of like whatever you want, which sidebar, I totally support. But anyways, that is, that is also one way that you're going to gain your goal. That's not, that's a surplus is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So, I mean, I think all this to say, it's like, get curious about what your TDE is, what your mm-hmm. ceiling is. And even if it does cost you a couple pounds on the scale to find that, it's worth it. It's worth totally. to see what is your potential. I mean, stop stop matching your potential with someone else on Instagram because A, guaranteed it's probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, for every like 10 influencers, you might have like half of the same type of like, <laughs> you know, activity level or whatever. But I think importantly, like you can find out for yourself. So yep. just go find out. I mean, yep. all it is is, taking some data, eating some more, finding your ceiling. You might find that you're eating more than ever thinking that, you know, this is like some like newfound thing, but in reality, your metabolism is always always available to you. Yes. Always available to you. So, yeah. Cool. I'm a, can I brain dump just like quick, like brain dump recap? We can, not that you didn't just do that too, but I just feel like, okay, so you have, you have your metabolism. There are going to be things that are in your control and not in your control. The things that are in your control to eat, to, to boost your metabolism would be to move more. Uh, or to gain weight, but nobody wants to do that. So we kind of ca- cross that one off, but that's a legitimate thing. Maybe you want a couple extra pounds if it means a couple hundred extra calories. You could eat more protein. You could have more muscle. Both of those probably only mean something in great uh, magnitudes over the long term. So moving more is probably your best bet. And then the difference between you and a clone of you that you see on Instagram, maybe a clone, is the uh, ability for their metabolism to upregulate. But before you go to that and be like, wow, this person's got super uh, um, adaptive metabolism, first look and do a good audit of like, are the things that you're saying about yourself actually true? Are you actually eating that many calories? Are you actually moving as much as you say you are? And if you do that... Um, the final question I would ask is, have you tried to eat more because you might be surprised you're like, Oh, I can only eat 1800. It's like, well, you've only tried to eat 1800. What about a month of eating 2000? What's going to happen? And so if you have gotten to that point of like, yeah, I I'm checked all the boxes. I'm actually eating this much. I'm actually this active. We are equally active. Me and this person I'm comparing myself to We have the same amount of muscle mass. We both eat a lot of protein. And so it's gotta be genetics, right? It's okay. Well, maybe the genetic gap is smaller than you think, so maybe give it a shot. You'd be surprised. And not to totally ramp, but let's say you're wrong. This part I give my clients every time where we're like reverse dieting, we get close to where their expected maintenance is. What if you're wrong? What if you're like, okay, I'm eating 18 um, and you know maybe I wanna see if I can eat more. And so you go to 19, nothing happens. You're like, oh my God, this is great. I was wrong, I could eat more. You go to 2000, you're like, oh my God, this is great. I could eat more. You go to 2100 and what if all 100 calories of that jump is a surplus? What if you messed up? What if it's entirely a surplus? surplus. That is a 100 calorie surplus. Rough math, that's about 42 days before you gain a pound of fat. Like, yeah, we, we know this like 3,500 calories, but it also diminishes over time as you gain weight. So it's probably like 40 days. That's 40 days to gain one pound of fat. By the way, uh, water is going to fluctuate so much that that is an almost indetectable amount. Oh my gosh, totally. And you are going to feel unbelievable if you're coming out of a deficit and you get yourself into a surplus. You will feel unbelievable faster and you will feel better and you'll be building muscle that you never would have had otherwise. And so you can put that in the pros column. And now, okay, I messed up. I went over my maintenance. I'm 100 calories over. So fucking what? It's going to make it literally no difference. You're going to feel amazing. You're going to build some muscle. You Maybe you gained a pound of fat, by the way. By the way, one, you gained that weight super slow because it's only a 100 calorie surplus. But also... 
as you're gaining that weight, your body size is increasing, obviously by a minute amount, but it will also become maintenance. So it's not like you're gonna gain a pound every four to two days ad nauseum you know forever you'll gain a pound two pound maybe and then all of a sudden that's your maintenance again and so it's there's mm-hmm. a lot of people are afraid my clients i find this to be very like people aren't necessarily afraid of the weight that they have currently gained in their reverse they're afraid of it continuing and so as long as you're like taking a step back and being like hey i'm gonna go up 100 calories and then we're gonna pause for two weeks and we're gonna see what happens now i know people are gonna say oh you guys aren't in favor of slow reverse diets i'm talking about once you get close to your expected maintenance you're very welcome to go slowly and so if you get close to your expected maintenance and you go up 100 calories wait two three weeks see what happens like in the worst yes. case scenarios you've gained an indistinguishable amount so you wouldn't even know it um and that's the end of my rant well and if i just have i i will throw in one very short rant which is all of this to say pay attention to yourself shocker what a concept <laughs> and then i'll just tag one little tiny rant since it's almost like <laughs> heading into like halloween thanksgiving christmas if you do this is the perfect time to figure out what your new like td is your what your yes. real td is push a little bit to jordan's point if you are lifting shout out to strength training because we're always about getting you guys to freaking lift some stuff turn it into some muscle totally right? it's so- actually the best fat protection the, the best protection against gaining unwanted body fat is to lift heavy and eat a lot of protein Right. And so if you're heading into the holidays and you're terrified that you might be eating a little bit more this time, start lifting some weights yeah. and actually have something to do. Give those calories a job. And then also find out what your TDE is. Congratulations. We've solved Seriously. world hunger and <laughs> people's TDE, TDE umbrellas. Hey, so you guys should you guys should all be fixed now. That's it. <laughs> we did done. it. We did it, guys. Okay. Excellent. You guys know where to find us. You don't follow us already. I don't know how you found this podcast. And so you're probably good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You guys right, have a good time. Okay. Yeah, thanks for okay. having me. Thanks, All right, Jordan. Guys.